You are listening to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host and teacher, Darius Good. He is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and founder of Good Treasure Ministries. He is the author of the books, Unlocking Godly Wisdom and The Divorced Christian. For more information, visit the website at thedivorcedchristian.com. And now here's your host, Darius Good. Welcome to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show. My name is Darius Good. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. Today, we're gonna discuss the topic of ketubas, um, you've heard me use this term uh, probably often if you're a regular listener uh, to our podcast show or even if you join us on the radio. Um, I think this is a term that, as I've asked many pastors, are you familiar with the ketubah? Do you know what a ketubah is? Majority of them have no idea what I'm talking about. And uh, we also want to discuss the relationship of Joseph and Mary, the parents of Jesus. Um, and so as we look at the ketubah, and uh, some of the teachings that I've heard regarding marriage and divorce, at this stage of my research, as, as, at this stage of my understanding of divorce as it pertains to the scripture, I find it quite interesting that the, the term ketubah has never come up. Um, in all the many years as I've grown up in church as a pastor's son, uh, now at this point in my life where I'm pastoring, have been pastoring for uh, many, many years, um, it's a term that I've never come across. You don't find it in the scriptures, and so I can see why many Christians are not familiar with this, uh, this term. Um, but if you have Jewish friends or uh, begin to study out the Jewish faith, what you'll begin to realize is the ketubah is a very essential part of the marital process. When we talk about uh, the story of like Mary and Joseph, so if we went to like Matthew chapter one, verse 18, that passage reads, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So we have um, the explanation of Mary and Joseph. They are listed, their marital status is listed as being espoused. So that means they're engaged. It does not say, say that they're wed or that they're married. Um, it says before they came together, she finds herself pregnant. Uh, we know by the immaculate conception, by the power of the Holy Ghost. And so it was not a man that got her pregnant, but we understand Joseph was not aware of this information at the time. That singular verse should raise all kind of cultural awareness, all kind of cultural knowledge and information. We can't just read through that verse and say the two of them were engaged and now Joseph thinks she's pregnant. So now, as I've explained through my teachings, I'm sorry, through my, my reading and, and newfound knowledge in regards to the Jewish marital process, when I see the word espoused, Mary's espoused to Joseph, my first thought now is betrothal. My first thought is ketubah. And so um, I want to highlight this particular relationship as we see this here in the scripture of the two of them now being engaged. Their engagement process was nothing like ours. Um, and I've heard you know, people do it different ways, but pretty much we all kind of follow the same somewhat system. We ask the woman to marry us. In some cases, I've heard the woman ask the man to marry her. Um, but then there's an exchange of a ring um, the families are made aware, and there might have been a conversation between uh, the families. In some cases, some follow what we would deem to be the traditional 
of the young man going to the father to ask for the daughter's hand in marriage. Um, I think a lot of us that I'm familiar with would view that process as being our traditional form of marriage. This is not how it worked in the scriptures. It's not how it worked according to Jewish law. And so what they did uh, in these days, and we can see it throughout the scriptures, was there was a negotiation process before the engagement began. So the man didn't go to a woman and ask her to be his wife. Um, what they did was the father of the groom would approach the bride, bride's father. And the two fathers would sit down and they would discuss um, the joining of the two families. And they would discuss their financial standings. They would discuss their uh, political stances or their uh, places of prestige within the community. And obviously, more than likely, these, these uh, individuals probably were aware of each other or knew each other. If you're dealing with people of higher status, obviously, they would definitely be more aware. As people were marrying in those days uh, to, to, uh, for pr preservation of family, preservation of wealth, preservation of uh, positions of power and authority. And so um, the very first betrothal experience we see written in the scriptures um, Abraham married a family member, so we don't see it in that particular story, but do, we do see it with Isaac as he sends a servant. And I think we've read that, uh, went through that passage in one of our episodes here. Um, they sent the servant to find a daughter um, of like kinship. So the servant is sent to find a wife for Isaac, and then he meets Rebecca at the well. And of course, uh, she was interested in marriage, but there was dialogue between Abraham's servant and Rachel's father and Rachel's brother Laban and Rachel's mother might have been present as well because they brought her to the mother's house. But you see the interaction of the family where, uh, yes, the daughter had a option. She was permitted to decide if she wanted to be married or not. She could not just be given away um, without her consent. Um, but it was a pretty much a very much so a family process that began the espousal phase of the relationship. Um, they discussed details that were were very important. Um, so this was established by Moses. So this is one mistake that I'm, I'm hearing now at this stage of my research and understanding. Um, we've always taught and I've always taught it this way, too, as a pastor, when when. A couple comes together, we talk about how God established marriage through Adam and Eve. We talk about the prophetic word that Adam pronounced. Uh, for this cause shall a, a man leave father and mother and cleave to his wife. They should become one flesh. That was a prophetic uh, a statement, a prophetic proclamation over the legalities or spiritual legalities of marriage, over the establishment of the union of the institution of marriage as God gave him that prophetic word. But I think the error is we leave out what Moses established. And I'm literally just coming into this understanding. I want to say about two weeks ago, as I'm studying Jewish writings to figure out where did the concept of betrothal and uh, some of the details a part of this process begin. Now we see the exchange of the dowries in the Old Testament with Isaac um, 
We see it with with uh, with Laban, where he did not send uh, the money, the inheritance, the dowry with uh, with Rachel and Leah. But we don't see any mention of the ketubah. And as I mentioned, you cannot find this word within the scripture. But if you go to Jewish teachings, they do point to the establishing of the ketubah in Deuteronomy. So let's talk about that for a minute, and then we'll circle back around to the relationship between Joseph and Mary. So what is the ketubah? Um, well, let's, let's, let's do it in two parts. So we do deal with the betrothal period, which includes the ketubah. So the betrothal was the first part of the two-part process of Jewish marriage. And this is what creates the legal relationship between the husband and the wife. Betrothal is the first part. With this portion of the relationship, there are no mutual obligations that are being fulfilled. So when the betrothal begins, before it begins, the couple would sit down to discuss what their marriage would look like. Now, I was trying to figure out where exactly did Moses establish this? And one of the rabbis pointed to the scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1. If you read this passage, it says, When a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes, because he hath found some uncleanness in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of the house. Many have read this passage of scripture and they have taken it to mean, uh, to view it as the establishment of the institution of divorce by Moses. Now, let me say this first. I've heard many teach that what Moses established was not God's plan. So then Jesus came to fix what Moses did. That teaching would be completely inaccurate because we already covered this in Matthew chapter 5 before Jesus discussed the topic of adultery, the topic of divorce, the topic of adulterous marriages. He says, I did not come to destroy the law of Moses. He did not come to make any alterations to it. The law that God gave through Moses was holy. It is righteous. It is just. That is New Testament scriptures that states that concerning the law of Moses. So Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. He didn't change any of the laws that God gave Moses. But let me point this out. Let's go back to our scripture here in Deuteronomy 24, verse 1. If you feel that this passage needs to be altered and changed because Moses was wrong for establishing divorce, then you're also going to have to throw out the establishing of marriage, the legal documentation that binds marriage, because that is a part of this scripture. I'm telling you, I've never saw this before, but this is how the rabbis teach it. In this passage of scripture, Moses established the legal process for marriage. I went back and looked, and I'm like, it's absolutely there. When a man hath taken a wife and married her, 
That was when he established the system of marriage that Jews began to follow, and they still follow these rules and these laws today. So the first part, when a man has taken a wife, if you look this word up in the concordance, the word is L-A-Q-A-H, and it means to take, get, fetch, lay hold of, to seize, to receive, to acquire, to buy, to bring, to marry, to take a wife. This word is used to describe the betrothal period. So this is the first step. The second step to marriage was where he says, and married her. So this is two parts. So when a man have taken a wife, that's the betrothal, and married her. This is part two of this this marital relationship in which the vows are now exchanged. This is what we need to be thinking when we hear the story of Mary and Joseph and we preach our Christmas stories every year. This is what we're explaining. When we say they're a spouse, we're talking about many, many steps that are part of this process of a man and a woman getting married. So the betrothal, once again, is the first part of the two-part process of Jewish marriage, which creates the legal relationship without the mutual obligations. Let me deal with the mutual obligations part. As they would outline in the betrothal before they became engaged, before she said yes to uh, acceptance of the marriage, before the family, the father gave his blessing that these two families would be united in marriage, they would sit down and discuss what this is going to look like. So we'll deal, that, we'll deal with that in more detail, but as they would outline the marriage, and they went into extreme detail, how many children, um, the man obviously had to state that he would provide intimacy, um, he would provide the sexual relationship for the woman, and in doing so, they wrote out the husband's obligations to the wife, which was included in the ketubah. Now, the obligations to come meant that the wife could not perform her wifely duties until the second part was complete. So even though they were betrothed, we've already discussed what our marriage is going to look like. She cannot perform her wifely duties. The man cannot perform his husband duties until they are officially marriage, married and vows have been exchanged. That usually happened anywhere from nine months to a year after they became engaged and the betrothal period begins. So these are the two parts to the marital process. Now, I've heard teachings regarding Mary and Joseph, Christian teachings, that state the only period in which a couple could get divorced by Jewish law and tradition was during the betrothal period. After the betrothal there was no divorce. I don't know where they got that teaching from. That's an absolute lie. Jews don't teach it that way. They don't even perform it that way in today's standard. And so um, based on this passage here in Deuteronomy 24 verse 1, because this passage deals not only with marriage, it deals with the divorce. So he talked about when a woman has not found favor in her husband's eyes, now he's required to write her a bill of divorce 
and then put her away or send her out of his house. So the concept of putting her away means to separate. So what Moses established was divorce first and then separation. You can't remain in the same house together. What we do and traditionally, what we accustomedly do is we will separate first and then get divorced. But then the passage goes on to talk about how if she marries another man, she can't return to the first husband because once they consummate the marriage, now she's defiled as far as the, the former husband is concerned. That means there is a sexual relationship. They did not have sex before they had the marriage, the exchanging of the vows. So obviously in this passage in Deuteronomy 24, we are talking about post-marriage experiences. So to state that the norm was you can only get divorced during the betrothal, there was no sexual activity during the betrothal. So those teachings are, are completely in error. Um, but let's deal with the, the engagement process, the betrothal, and also how the ketubah fits into this entire experience. For the sake of today's lesson, we're going to put it into three parts that were required before the engagement began. The first thing that was required was the bride price, the spousal payment, where the, the groom-to-be would discuss the amount um, the father deemed required for his daughter's hand in marriage. The second thing that was required was the discussion of the dowry, where the father would then give a gift to the daughter, which became the groom's responsibility. They would, in essence, put it into a escrow account, but we come to learn that majority of the issues when it came to the dowry was they were using the money. So when it came an issue for or time where uh, the, the marriage was being dissolved, the husband didn't have the money, the dowry, to give to the wife. So this has become a major issue. The third thing that was necessary was the groom had to discuss what the bride would receive in the case of a divorce. And this is where the ketubah comes into the picture. So this was the agreement. The ketubah was the agreement to pay a certain amount upon divorce. These are three areas that were discussed before the woman would say, I do as far as agreeing to go into a marriage with this man. Some of the other things that would be discussed was possibly how many children, the husband saying that he would provide and protect her. All this was written into the ketubah as part of his vow to the woman. Um, I've heard them discuss uh, um, things as far as what would transpire if the husband dies. So the ketubah, in essence, was both a prenuptial agreement as well as life insurance because if she becomes a widow, if I have land in my possession, I need to document what my wife is going to receive in the case of me dying, in the likelihood of me dying. So this document serves as a legal binding document that is critical to marriage. I was reading a case recently where there was some dispute regarding a house. This is a current uh, case, not too long ago, uh, maybe several decades, decades ago, 
where the wife brought her ketubah to the priest. The husband uh, had died at this point, and the debate was whether or not should the children get the home. But based on what was written in the ketubah, what the man promised his wife was that she would receive ownership of the home upon his death. So the children who were fighting for this home were not permitted to get the house through the legal process of the courts because that ketubah, that, that legal document, was viewed as binding in the court. So this is what Moses established in Deuteronomy chapter 24, that first to take when a man has taken a wife. This is the betrothal uh, process and period. If you go to my website, DariusGood.com or TheDivorceChristian.com, you'll find, uh, I put a link on the page, the Divorce Christian page of a ketubah, and it's the general writings of a ketubah, which I, I looked to search to see if I could find it because they're all written in Arabic, which I don't read, so I wouldn't be able to read an actual ketubah uh, agreement between a man and a woman. But I did find a general one that was written by a priest, a, a Jewish rabbi. And so I'm going to read this to you. If you want to go and read it, it's there on the website. I linked it to the website there. It's chabad.org, C-H-A-B-A-D.org. What I'm going to do is make up some names so that it just reads a lot easier. Um, and so it reads this way, this, and this is the English text. It's written in Arabic, but this is the English text of what is included in the ketubah. So it reads, on the second day of the week, and we have to fill these blanks in. So on the second day of the week, the, let's say, 21st day of the Hebrew month of October, the year 2022, after the creation of the world, according to the manner in which we count dates, Herein, and we put the bridegroom's name, so let's put uh, Jacob. Herein, Jacob, the bridegroom, son of Isaac, said to this Rachel, daughter of Laban, be my wife according to the law of Moses and Israel. I will work, so now he's writing out his obligations, work, honor, feed, and support you in the Jewish, in the custom of Jewish men, who work, honor, feed, and support their wives faithfully, I will give you the settlement of, let's say, $100,000, or they have the equal, the equal amount in silver, which is Zuzim, Z-U-Z-I-M, and they would give an actual amount. So they would technically take, uh, let's say it was cattle, and they would determine what that value was in silver, and they would write that into here. So let's read this again. I will give you the settlement of, let's put 80 pounds of silver, which is due you according to the laws, as well as your food, clothing, necessities of life, conjugal needs, according to the universal custom. It continues and says, Miss Rachel agreed and became his wife. This dowry that she brought from her father's house, whether in silver, gold, jewelry, clothing, home furnishings, or bedding. Mr. Jacob, our bridegroom, accepts as being worth 
and they would determine the worth of what she brought to the home in the amount of silver. So let's say another $100,000. Then it reads, our bridegroom, Mr. Jacob, agreed, and of his own accord added an additional, and this is an amount in silver, so let's say another $100,000, paralleling the above. So what we just read was the, the dowry. So now the husband, the bridegroom, is adding on an additional hundred grand because, as I mentioned, oftentimes they would do an equal amount to what the woman would bring to the marriage for her dowry. So if she brings a hundred thousand, he would add on in an additional amount of a hundred thousand, and then it reads the entire amount is then blank in silver pieces. So they would add up the totality of the value of the dowry and what he is agreeing to to give the wife in addition to this. And then they put a, write the dollar amount into the ketubah. Then it reads, Mr. Jacob, our bridegroom, made this declaration. The obligation of this marriage contract, ketubah, this dowry and this additional amount, I accept upon myself and upon my heirs after me, it can be paid from the entire best part of the property and possessions that I own under all the heavens, whether I own this property already or will own it in the future. It includes both mortgageable property, non-mortgageable property. All of it shall be mortgaged and bound as security to pay this marital or marriage contract, this dowry, and this additional amount. It can be taken from me even from the shirt on my back during my lifetime and after my lifetime from this day and forward. That means in divorce and if I lose my life. This is the contract. This is in essence the prenup and the life insurance for the bride. So when you think of Mary and Joseph, Mary and Joseph had a ketubah. This also means that this is the reason why a divorce would have been necessary during this portion of their relationship. The ketubah was a legal binding contract where large amounts of money was being exchanged. Join us again next week. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, be blessed. You've been listening to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host, Darius Good. This was a Good Treasure Ministries production. Darius is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center, and he is the author of the book, The Divorced Christian. To learn more about this book and other books written by Darius, or to listen to other episodes of our podcast show, visit our website today at thedivorcedchristian.com. We pray that today's episode has brought revelation, understanding, and healing. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast show. And until next time, be blessed.